Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. It is so good to have you with us this morning. Come on, 2021. I'm excited because it's the first time I'm preaching this year. So I'm going to enjoy it today, if that's all right. I know my first responsibility isn't for your enjoyment, it's to preach the Word of God. And that's what I'm going to do today. But while I pray that this will be challenging and inspiring, I also pray that we'd enjoy this moment together. If you're new here today, my name's Josh. I'm the Mansfield Campus Pastor for Arena Church. You are very welcome with us today. But for all of those of you who have been with us these first two Sundays of this new year, you'll know we're in this series called For This Cause. I don't know about you, but I found it challenging and inspiring as Christian and Phil have outworked and looked at this man called Nehemiah's life. And we're going to continue with that today. What sticks out to me from Nehemiah's life, while he was clearly gifted, it's not his gifting that impresses me the most. What impresses me about Nehemiah is his character, his persistence, his humility, his stickability, and his choice and value to lift others above himself. See, he was a true leader. He chose to forgo many of the comforts that could be afforded to him that would come with his role so that he could be an agent for change in his generation. Now, you might think that Nehemiah's cause was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, but I don't think that was his cause this morning. That was how he achieved his cause. But Nehemiah's cause was to restore Jerusalem to bring back its respect and reputation, to usher in a new day for the city and ultimately for their people so that prosperity, joy and peace could once again be experienced in that place. The way he did it, they rebuilt the wall. Now there are a lot of causes in our world today, aren't there? I mean, If you just gave to what came through your letterbox or came into your email inbox, you probably would have no money left. I mean, in normal times, you can walk down the high street in whatever city you want to choose and you can be accosted by five different people telling you that you need to give to their cause, that their cause needs your support. Now, I've looked at a few of these causes in preparation for this message and there's even a charity, listen to this, for tall people. There is a charity for tall people. Now, if you meet their criteria based upon your height, they will help you get a scholarship. Now, you need to be under 21. So unfortunately, I've missed my chance being a little bit over that age. But if you're under 21 and a six foot two in your socks, come on, no platform shoes, guys. I know that when you tell me that you're six foot two, that's probably, you know, a couple, two, three inches of your shoes. No, you have to be six foot two in your socks and under 21. Then you are eligible. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be rushing to give my money to that charity. I think it's an interesting point though because our world is forever looking for a cause. We were born to live for a cause. 
And because most people in our world maybe haven't realized that and recognized that and potentially aren't living purposefully, they latch on to whatever is the prevalent cause of the day. But here at Arena, we have a strong cause and vision, which is wrapped up in the vision that God has given us, is to go and grow and to love and serve our world. This is our cause, which we unite around. This is our cause to take the love, hope and peace that's found in Jesus to this world in which we live. To see his transforming power change the communities where we find ourselves. That might be in Belper, England or Toulouse, France. Wherever we are, our cause is to go and grow and love and serve our world. In that workplace, that school, that friendship group, as part of this community called Arena, you are called to go and to grow and to love and serve your world. And at the moment, we find ourselves in what is a challenging time. Like Nehemiah, we face a big task. But change makers, disruptors, revolutionaries, leaders are born for moments like this. Now, I'll give you a few months last year when all this started, this thing called coronavirus started and we were all sunning ourselves and furlough seemed like the best thing ever. I mean, I even knew people who were complaining that they weren't furloughed. But what has happened over the last few months is that sneakily, the vocabulary of the world has become negative and downcast and hopeless and cynical. And this cynicism and negativity began to seep into people's spirits. And not only to those outside of the church, but those in the church. We've bought some of the lies of the devil, which has led to this moment we are in being even more challenging. I want to tell you today, I want to encourage you today, that we are not in this moment to endure it or fast forward it. You are not here to survive this period we are in. You are here to thrive in this period you are in, we are in. You were born for this moment. I believe that we've been placed in this time, in this geography, in this period by God. And if God has placed us here, then there has to be purpose in it. I want to recall the words of Mordecai to Esther, a woman who brought about the deliverance of her people in the Bible. He said to her, you were born for such a time as this. Come on, somebody, let our vocabulary be filled with hope and love and joy and peace. Let's stop asking when we can get out of this and start asking how I can make the most of this. Because there is a world that is hurting and the church of Jesus need to be strong and vocal as we navigate what is the biggest challenge of a generation. Come on, somebody, let's stop declaring the negativity that we hear around us and begin to speak purpose for our path. You were born for this cause. Come on, somebody in the chat today, say it. I was born for this cause. Today, I want to look at the people Nehemiah had around him and how groups functioned alongside him to bring about this amazing feat of restoring 
Jerusalem. The task at hand was huge. There was no doubt about it. And I know a lot of you on here have become DIY experts over the last year. Thank the Lord that I have not been sucked into that trap. I am free of DIY still, even through what we have just been through. Maybe you put up a fence or painted one, and that is an arduous and hard task. I saw my neighbours, literally every neighbour around me did something to their fence over last summer. And there I was in my garden looking at them thinking, that doesn't look fun. You might have even built a little wall around your house or whatever it may be. But this wall that Nehemiah rebuilt or set out to rebuild, it wasn't any ordinary wall. It was two and a half miles long. It was 13 metres high and two and a half metres thick. If you want context for how thick that is, just think about my biceps and you're probably about there. But these didn't have tra- cranes and diggers. What they achieved was miraculous. And this is the beauty of groups and community. That what's impossible on our own is made possible when we come together in unity. And the first thing I see from Nehemiah's life is this. That powerful communities are not me focused, but we focused. Nehemiah 1 verse 6 to 7 says this. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. He's praying, he's talking to God. We've acted very wickedly towards you. We've not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. I find this prayer absolutely amazing because it would have been so easy for Nehemiah to say sorry for what they have done. Sorry for how they've messed up. Sorry for how they've got it wrong. But what does he say? His language is, I am sorry and I repent for what we have done. Uh, Don't you love the royal we? I mean, in the workplace, especially when someone in your team, you know, says, we achieved that target, but they didn't want to know about the target six months ago, and all of a sudden the target's been achieved, we did it. But in this context, Nehemiah is using the we in such a powerful and positive way. He was a leader. He wasn't looking to assign blame. He wasn't looking to pass the book. He took ownership of all the people. I hope you know that your language is so important. And one of the things that makes me cringe is when people who are a part of arena call it your church or that church. It's not language of ownership. It's not language of this is who I am. This is my community. This is not the voice of we. If we want to live in powerful community, it will come from taking ownership, from using we, not me. If we want to achieve extraordinary things, it won't come from people who are looking to promote their own agenda, to push their own agenda. It will come as people unite themselves under the cause of Christ, under the cause of Arena, as we go and grow and love and serve our world. And this will mean that sometimes your idea isn't implemented 
or there's something you don't like or that challenges you or you don't get that position that you feel you deserved. And in that moment, you have a choice to focus on me or we. Will you look beyond the insignificant details so that we can come together to see God impact our world in a powerful way? See, any group who have ever achieved anything have decided to lay down something of their own agenda to work towards the goal, including the leader. The language of powerful, prevailing communities, it's not me, it's we. It looks to lift, to exalt, to prefer others, to honour. See, these communities carry the wins and the losses together. And this is what Nehemiah was doing right here. He was owning the loss that his home had taken. And if we want to see God move in our world, if we want to see him move through this community called the arena, it will come as we take ownership together. Look at Nehemiah in chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. He says, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favour in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. It would have been so easy for Nehemiah to sit on the sideline. He was in the opulence and beauty of the palace. He would have been well compensated. He was looked after. He was living the dream. He could have seen it as someone else's problem, but he chose to involve himself in other people's mess. This is the heart of someone who is focused not on me, but on we. His life was great. You could say his life was perfect, but he chose to take on hardship, opposition and pain. He could have sat in his luxurious chamber and never given another thought to Jerusalem, drinking pina coladas, feet up, complete Netflix, but he chose to live a life of significance. He chose to change a generation. Come on, Arena Church, can there be a wee spirit that rises up, that says we will forego our comfort to step into a world that's messy and broken and hurting? Our world's beautiful. Our world is great. But we have to agree this morning that it's messy and broken and hurting. Will we choose to be used to see a generation changed? by our God. This kind of thinking comes from somebody who has laid down their life to the call and the cause of God. And this was Nehemiah. You read throughout the book of Nehemiah and it jumps off the page. He was made governor of Jerusalem based upon the work that he was doing. But he gave up the luxuries that were afforded his position 
because he wanted to lift up the people. He even went the other way. He says he fed 150 people from his own table out of his own pocket. This was a man of humility, not that said, I can do it, but said, with God, we can do it. See, Nehemiah didn't ascend to the position he was in because he was focusing on himself or because he trod on others to get to the top. He rose because he got involved in somebody else's mess. Maybe today you've been grasping for greatness, working for wealth, positioning for power, and you've got nothing and nowhere. Maybe what you need to do is what Nehemiah did. And instead of focusing on you, get involved in somebody else's mess. Maybe you need to lay down your agenda and say, God, it's not about me, but it's about your cause in this world in which we live. Nehemiah consistently did this. He heard the cry of the poor and the broken and the hurting, and he made their issues his. I'd love to go into it more, but in chapter 5, we see that people were having to sell their possessions, their inheritance, their businesses, and even their kids were were being turned over to slavery because they couldn't eat. There was no money for food on the table. They were being taken advantage of by the rich in their own community. And Nehemiah got involved in their mess. Because in community, you realise that we're only as strong as the weakest member. At this moment where Nehemiah was in the rebuilding of the wall, it was a precarious moment. It could have gone either way. And Nehemiah could have said, to the, to the poor, to those who were losing their possessions and homes and going through all this stuff. He could have said, look guys, I, I'll come back to that later. I, I'm too busy. We, we, we've got too much on right now. But he chose to get involved in the mess of others. This is our call as Arena Church, to lift up to be open-handed and open-hearted, to take on the pain of our communities and do what we can with the power of God to see transformation take place. This is why we volunteer. This is why we give. This is why we exist, to transform the communities in which we live through God's redemptive power. Let's take ownership. Let this be our mission, our purpose, our goal. Let us work Together as one. Powerful communities focus on we, not me. The next thing I see is that your group will dictate your direction. This is so clear in Nehemiah 2, verse 17 to 20. It says this, Then I said to them, that's Nehemiah speaking, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the glorious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sambalat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you're doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We his servants will start rebuilding. 
But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. We see two groups here. There's Nehemiah's group and there's Sambalat's group. One group's time together leads to building, to renaissance, to restoration. And the other group's time leads to pulling down, mocking and ridicule. I've seen it throughout my life that there are always two types of groups. Those that build up, those that pull down. Those that protect and those that abuse. Those that are hopeful and those that are cynical. I find it curious and even funny that negative people always seem to find each other. I think it's so strange. Sambalat, Tobiah and Geshem, they're like this. They were always together. I mean, it doesn't even record most of the time who said what. And this is what you find with groups that want to pull down. They don't want to confront on their own. They don't want to own what they're saying. It's always they said, or they did, or they think, or they're going to do this. This unholy alliance, they were sickly. I mean, they were almost embarrassing with it. It was like they couldn't leave each other's side. Where one was, there was the other, spouting false claims and speaking words that sought to bring division. You never know whose ideas are being purveyed and who's actually speaking. You just read through Nehemiah, you'll see it. It's so funny. This group led to toxicity, bitterness and cynicism. I want to ask you a question today. Does your group build up or pull down? Is your group a part of the solution or they are forever highlighting the problem? And when I say group, I'm talking about the people that you spend the most time around. Are you around builders or toxic demolishers? This is such an important question to ask because your group will dictate your direction. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fool suffers harm. See, Nehemiah's group don't immediately jump off the page. But as you look closer, he had a group of brothers. His brother bought him the news of Jerusalem. His brothers worked alongside him to rebuild the wall. And one of his brothers was put in charge when Nehemiah went back to the king. Where Sambalat's group descended into bitterness, negativity and false accusations. Nehemiah's group stood together to rebuild the wall and bring joy, restoration and protection to the people of Jerusalem. See, this unholy alliance, they even accused Nehemiah of wanting to be king, which he didn't want. He never wanted. But I raise this point intentionally because often the accusation of the negative is exactly what they would want or what they would do. Your group, your circle, your community will either call you to life or death. They will lead you into your future or they'll hold you back. It's so important who you surround yourself with. See, Nehemiah had a different spirit. 
And when you have a different spirit, you have a different language. Nehemiah heard the challenge. He cried when he heard about the issues of his hometown. He was in distress, but he didn't spiral downwards. He said, let us rebuild the wall. His language was different. I want to ask you, how are you approaching this year? You can look to the challenge and spiral into despair, or you can look to the challenge and see that it will make you. Maybe if you can't get your eyes off of the issues, it's because you're surrounding yourself with negative voices. I mean, at the moment, you don't need to go far to hear negativity, do you? The news, TV, social media can be filled with negative and cynical sentiment. Maybe you need to tune out from that for a while and tune in to a different voice. I'm not saying we act like there's no issue. That's not what Nehemiah did. He acknowledged the issue and sought with his group to be the solution. Come on, let's get good people around us. Let's listen to the right voices. Let's fill our hearts and minds with the Word of God. And as you do, you will be a builder like Nehemiah. Now I realise today that not everyone is blessed with great people around them. And you might say, Josh, I, I've not even got a group or, or my group is negative, but they're all I have. I want to encourage you specifically to sign up for one of our groups. And especially in this year called 2021, where it's so easy to be in isolation. I want to encourage everybody today. Why don't you sign up for a group? Why don't you become part of a group? See, we believe here at Arena that we find freedom in small groups as we come together in a community that's positive, loving and protective. If you want to join a group, the email address will come up in the chat right now and you can click on it and go through to register your interest. Sambalit, Tobiah and Geshem. They brought down Nehemiah and his brothers built the wall and changed a generation. The trajectory of your future is largely determined by who you choose to surround yourself with. Let's get around people who will call us to the more over our lives. And the last thing is this. As we look at Nehemiah's story, we see that diversity brings a strength that uniformity cannot. Chapter three, verse one to five says this. Eliashib, the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as, as the tower of the hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the tower of Hanel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section and Zakor's son of Imri built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanar. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakos, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshullam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshizabal, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Barna, also made repairs. Now, for the sake of time, I've brought that a little bit shorter. But as you read chapter 3, you see 
that different people came together with different skills in their diversity to make a difference. See, this excites me because this is a message that our world needs to hear right now. That our unity is made stronger by diversity, not by uniformity. We're becoming polarised at the moment around opinions. If you don't agree with me, we can't be friends. If you look different to me, we can't work together. If you vote different or dress different, then we can't work together. This is completely toxic because unity is revealed in diversity. We see here in chapter three that there were perfumers and priests, blacksmiths and builders, people of power and girls who would have had no standing in that society, all working next to each other, all bringing their gift, their work and their time to see a miracle in their generation. These groups, they were a part of the whole and they laid down their prestige, status and needs to see a vision come to pass that was far bigger than any of them on their own. When people of different skills, background and demographics come together under one vision, powerful things begin to happen. And this is our heart for our groups at Arena, that they would reflect the very diversity of our locations and our church but that they would find a home and context under the banner called Arena. I want you to know today that we're not getting you. We don't want to get you to fall in line or to fit in. We don't want you to dress different or change your interests. We want you to fully be who God has created you to be. There's a place for you here at Arena. See, a group isolated, though, loses its power. But as we come together in our groups, there's an amazing power that's unleashed. This wall was rebuilt in 52 days. This could never have been achieved by one man or by one, one group on their own. It could only be achieved by multiple groups coming together. And when multiple groups come together, all bets are off. See, this is the power of synergy. And the definition of synergy is the interaction of cooperation of two or more organisations, substances or other agents to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their separate effects. The Bible speaks about synergy. Look at Deuteronomy 32 verse 30. How can one man chase a thousand or two put 10,000 to flight? Unless their rock has sold them, unless the Lord has given them up. One chases a thousand and two, ten thousand. Now, someone who I like numbers, I've always been decent with numbers throughout my life. This math makes no sense. It seems like crazy talk, but this is the power of synergy that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. I believe this is Psalm 133 in action, that as we work together towards a common goal, we see God's blessing meet with our sacrifice and this creates an offering and outpouring that is far greater than what any of us could have imagined. Just imagine 
If we saw Ilkeston and Mansfield and Belper and Nottingham and Toulouse transformed by the power of God. Just imagine if these communities were forever marked by His goodness and His grace and His blessing because we chose to live towards a common goal. Just imagine if poverty was eradicated in these locations, if people were physically and mentally healed, if those in these communities flocked into our locations to connect with their Saviour. Just imagine, on our own we can't do it. If we need to have an opinion about everything and everyone, question everything that happens, questioning people's motives, always needing to be heard, it will not happen. But if we bring our gifts in our diversity and our difference and lay them at the feet of our leaders and the vision of God for arena, the manifold wisdom of God will be shown to our world, to our locations and beyond. And we will see transformation like we can't even imagine. When you add me plus you, plus God, there's an exceptional power that can't be explained. There comes an acceleration that can't be experienced outside of unity. Arena Church, will we do this? Are we in this together for this cause, for our cause, to go and grow and love and serve our world? Will we lay down our agenda for God to move in an unprecedented way? Will we move from being a lone ranger to finding our context within community? Come on, isn't that maturity? Isn't that the goal? With our kids, we pull them up if they're being selfish or greedy. But it, when it comes to us as adults, we can often let these cycles carry on and reason away why we can't lay our life down for the sake of our world. Ah, it's that leader, or it's that church, or it's that group, or it's that building, or it's that location. And there's always an issue. Maybe the issue isn't anyone else. Maybe the issue is in you. You know, I've found when I feel like I'm right and the people around me who I respect and trust are all wrong, what I've found is when that's the case, it's normally me that's wrong. This is hard to hear. But could God use this moment that should be marked with isolation to unite his church like never before. Is today the day that you submit? Is today the day that you give the hidden parts, the bits that you've held back, that thought, that finance, that trait, that habit, that gift, that time? Is today the day where you lay it at the feet of God? Will you lay down what God has given you so that we can see our generation changed? Come on, Arena, let's give ourselves to groups. Let's change community. Let us find our fit in this great story God is writing in and through Arena Church. Come on, let's remember the powerful communities are not me focused, but we focused. Your group dictates your direction and diversity brings a strength that uniformity cannot. Let us live for this cause.
today, if you don't know Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity right now to get to know him. Maybe you've heard something of him today as we were singing, as the songs came up, as I've spoken this morning. Maybe you're feeling something in your heart. Well, I believe what you're feeling is God calling you home. God saying, come to me. You might have heard all different things about God throughout your life. I want to tell you this is true, that God loves you and he cares for you. God's not turned his back on you. He stands with open arms, waiting to welcome you. He doesn't want to turn you into a religious robot. He wants to make you fully the person you were designed to be. If you want to get to know God today, if you want to say yes to Jesus, right now, wherever you are, why don't you in your home, in your bedroom, in your living room, wherever you are, why don't you make that choice today to say yes to him? There's a button that will come up right now where you can say, I want to make that decision. And I want to pray for you. God, for everybody today who has made the decision to say yes to you for the first time, I pray, Father, as they come to you, you would reveal to them who they truly, truly are, that you would work with them, that you would walk with them into the next days that they're coming into, that they would give everything to you. Amen. And for those of us who belong to Arena Church today, I've got a challenge for you. Maybe your life has been more marked by me than we. Maybe you've been surrounded by the wrong people and maybe you even yourself have been negative and bitter. I believe today can be the day that that changes. Come on, will we be a community defined by we? A community that will get involved in others' mess so that we can see our world changed. If you say today, Josh, yeah, that's me. I've been more focused about my issues, my agenda, my things and the thoughts of the whole. Why don't you just in your home, just in reflection to God, just open your hands and I'm going to pray for you. God, I pray as Arena Church that we would be marked by the we and not by the me. Let us be a community that choose to follow your cause, to follow the cause you have given this house to go and grow and to love and serve our world. Let us be carriers of this on a day-to-day basis. Father, let us not be a church that just turns up and goes and we, we just consume. No, let us own all you have given us. Let us work together to achieve the goal that you have set in our hearts to see our world transformed and changed by you. In your mighty name, God. Amen.